Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Janet Authorine. Janet is the founder of the Island Mindfulness Path to Transformation and CEO of Authorine Publishing. As an inspirational author of three books, attorney and self-care advocate, her insights have been featured in national media, such as Medium, Cosmopolitan Magazine, and Black Pearls Magazine. Janet immigrated from Jamaica as a teenager and knows what it's like to overcome odds and accomplish her dreams. She has has a JD from Boston College, LLM from Georgetown University, a public management certificate from George Washington University. She empowers high-achieving women who are overwhelmed to create a balanced, peaceful, highly successful, and abundant life. So how do you go from self-pity to success? My next guest, Janet Authorine, is going to tell us. She's going to share what happens when you take responsibility for how you're showing up in life and how you can turn things around to become the strong, empowered, compassionate, and happy version of you you're meant to be. If disempowering beliefs have kept you stuck, you're going to get so much out of this episode. Here's Janet. Okay, everybody, you're in for a treat because I have Janet Authorine with us. We're going to be talking about mindfulness, about turning your biggest crisis into your greatest gift, turning self-pity into success, and so much more. Welcome, Janet. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. So let's just get started because I know uh, my listeners, viewers, they want to know who they're listening to and they just want to know, let's, let's start with your story because they want to know you've been there, you get it. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I am a child from Jamaica. Uh, that's how I describe myself uh, because my ancestry is very important to me. Um, so I, you know, grew up in Jamaica, uh, raised by a cousin and a lot of older relatives. And uh, my mother left Jamaica when I was a little bit younger to find a job in the United States because that really was the only way out of the poverty um, that we were in in Jamaica. So it wasn't unusual for parents to leave to either move to the city in Jamaica, which is Kingston, or to the United States to find work. And then they would send back for their children. Now, and, and I'm gonna stop you there because, well, first of all, how old were you when she moved? Uh, now, she actually moved to Kingston when I was a baby. And I was raised by my older relatives. And I think she moved to the United States, I wanna say when I was about eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then she sent for us, got a job, sent for us, and I moved to the United States when I was 12 with okay. my, two, my two older brothers. But when you were, let's say, eight and younger than eight, what did you make of that? Did you, did you, what meaning did you attach to that? You know, uh, I think I just, it was so normal. It was such a normal part of our existence in Jamaica for your biological parents to be somewhere else that I didn't attribute anything negative to it. Thankfully, I was, you know, I was raised by people who took really, really good care of me. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say the same for some of my friends who were in a similar situation, who ended up in situations that were very abusive or with people who didn't treat them like family. Right. Um, but, but for me, it was, it was okay 
Um, the big challenge came for me when I actually uh, moved to the U.S. and had to adjust from being a small turn to uh, a small town girl um, adjusting to life in the United States. And I came at that rate, uh, crazy age where you're in uh, elementary school. And I had a thick Jamaican accent and I got a lot of teasing. Um, and also I was, you know, living with my mom who um, I wasn't raised with. So that was a big adjustment too. Yeah. And it's hard enough being a tween, you know, teen, young, young person anyway. So, so now here you are, you're in a, a, an unfamiliar place and even your mom is sort of unfamiliar to you. So what, how did you experience that? What, how did it, how did it feel? What did you do? Well, it was, you know, it was sort of, you know, shell shock. It was a mix of gratitude because, you know, who gets an opportunity to come to the U.S.? Not a lot of people from my small town. So it, it was gratitude mixed in with fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, fear of this new world, this new surroundings. Um, didn't realize that my accent would, would cause me so many issues um, in elementary school. And um, I really just had to get through all of that. Um, you know, and how did you deal with the fear? What did you do? Well, I tell you, um, you know, uh, I hear a lot of children who are, you know, adopted will say that, you know, I spent a lot of time being grateful because I'm supposed to be grateful and I'm in that space. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's the same thing with moving to the U.S. You know, you feel as if you should be grateful and you shouldn't worry about anything else, even though you have a lot of challenges. And so I think I did a lot of pushing down um, at that stage in my life of the fear and the challenges that I had because I saw my mom. I saw how hard she worked. I saw that she had three jobs to take care of myself and my brothers. Um, so I really had to push down that fear. Um, and I think that stayed with me for quite some time where I was pushing down a lot of things, not just that experience early on, but in relationships, you know, um, you know, I, whenever I had a dispute with anyone, I wouldn't speak my mind. So I think I became voiceless. Mm. Um, and it didn't, it wasn't until I got to be, I would say in my late 20s that I actually finally found my voice. And you know, it's so common that when we push things down, it's not like it goes away and it, and, and it manifests in other places. It can manifest as illness. It can manifest as symptoms. Did anything show up for you? Yeah, I would say yes. Um, you know, I, and a lot of women have this, I think I pushed down so much that I ended up having fibroids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, and I suffered from fibroid tumor, tumors for years. Um, and as you may know, a lot of African-American women uh, suffer from fibroids. But I'm really convinced that they stemmed from just being voiceless and from pushing down so much anxiety. Right. about life. Um, but I believe that things just started growing in my body because of that. 
Well, and, and that's why I asked, because it's, we can't push things down. They have to go somewhere. And when they stay in us, you know, it usually it'll, it'll manifest as something. By the time it manifests physically, there's a lot going on mentally and emotionally. So at what point, now you said it was affecting your relationships too. So you didn't, you, you felt you didn't have a voice in your relationships. How did that show up? You know, the, the, the hardest issues I have had to do with communication. Um, so I wouldn't speak my mind. I wouldn't speak my truth. I was always trying to be the nice girl. I was always trying to get along. I was trying uh, not to be noticed, uh, not to take up too much space. I just wanted to exist, to be, to be polite, um, and to get along with everyone else. And that works. But nice, where does nice get you? You know, it's nice is nice to have. Um, but it doesn't, you don't fulfill your dreams. You don't become the person that you were intended to be. Uh, you fear going after your purpose or even finding your purpose. Um, and you don't, you don't have a voice. And that's something that has followed me for a really, really long time. Not really having that voice that as a woman, I really needed to have. So I ended up saying no to a lot of things that I needed to say yes to. Um, mm -hmm. And that went on, that went on for years. And what was the turning point? Like, at what point did you say, you know, enough with this of just not speaking my mind, not speaking my truth, not being, you know, not communicating effectively? Was there one situation? Was it just an accumulation of many? What happened? Um, you know, in my 30s, I realized that, um, you know, I was, I was ill I was leading this healthy lifestyle because I was a pescatarian. There are times when I was doing vegan living. Um, I changed my diet, you know, became a naturalist. Uh, but I had fibroids, I had thyroid issues. And I said, this can't be just, you know, unhealthy eating. Something else must be going on. There must be something going on in my mind. And I started writing poetry. And through the poetry, I was expressing myself in so many ways. It was such a good outlet for me. And once I started writing the poems and speaking my truth through writing, I began to be able to speak my truth to other people. And I did, did it slowly with my close friends. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing it in my relationships. And of course, you know, when you're changing, it's a shock to whoever you're dating, whoever you're married to. <laughs> Right, right, because now all of a sudden you have a lot to say. So, and you know, and it's interesting because you're saying about expressing yourself through poetry because I'm a big proponent of journaling. And, you know, sometimes we can journal and we can be shocked with what, what we write. I mean, I've done that for, for so long where I'll write something and I'm like, where'd that come from? And it, it's that outlet that gives us a sense of everything that we've been that we've been holding holding in and it sounds like that's what that's what happened so now here you are you're you're writing this poetry and you start speaking your truth what kind of reactions and responses did you get from people um you know i, I don't know you <laughs> who are you and i had to admit that you know what you don't know me and it's probably my fault <laughs> mm. Because I never expressed my true self. So really that was the reaction. Um, and I've always been an introvert. So I've always been, you know, that quiet person who needed time, you know, to think and to process anyway. 
Um, but now that I was coming out of my shell, you know, it opened up a whole new world. And you kind of, you know, you, you know, you lose friends because people say, oh, you've changed. Um, but you know, I always embrace that. We're not, we are supposed to change. We're not supposed to be the same person that we were in high school. And people always throw that at you. Oh, you're not the same person. I'm not the same person. I have changed. I've learned. I've grown. Um, my experiences mattered. Your experiences mattered. So, um, yeah. So I got the, you, you know, you have changed a lot. Um, you know, I, I, and I love that you're, yeah. And I love that you're bringing this up because it's so true. And it's usually a big shock to people. And, and we find, you know, especially the, the shows from Betrayal to Breakthrough, so many people when they're healing from their betrayal and they're making new boundaries and creating a new identity, basically keeping what they like, getting rid of what doesn't work. Very often they do outgrow their friends because, you know, they, they're, they're just coming from a different place now and seeing things very differently. And, and I get this all the time. People say, well, you know, I've had these friends for 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. What the heck is it me? Yes, it is. But in the best kind of way, you're changing and growing and that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and you know, someone that I was dating at the time introduced me to counseling. Um, I always grew up to be tough and resilient. And, you know, if you had some struggles, you handle them yourself, you find a way. So physical health was important. Mental health was, hey, just push through. Whatever it is, just push through. And someone was, I was dating, we were having some issues, communication issues. And he said, we should go to counseling. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's that about? Um, and I realized that, you know, it's, it's natural, it's healthy. It's something that we all need at some point, whether it's a counselor, a coach, um, you know, talking to a pastor that you trust, but having that sounding board, having someone who's an expert to help you through your struggles, you know, is really healthy. And I really wish many more women knew that, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, women like me who are, you know, from the Caribbean, mm -hmm. <laughs> who we've had to go through so much that we've, you know, we've become tough. We've put up a wall. We, we, we decide to handle all the issue ourselves because, you know, we're not whole if we don't handle our issues ourselves. We can't tell our friends and our family and even our parents that we're struggling. So, and you know uh, what? It, it takes an enormous amount of energy just to keep that up. Mm -hmm. it's exhausting, right? Because here we are, we're trying to create this persona, like I have it all together and it's all good and I'm, I have it all under control. And it's interesting how you said about the big wall that goes up. You know, I see it as people think, look at it as, well, I'm healed, I'm good. No, you're hardened. And it's that coming from that hardened place. And then that's how we go through life. And yeah, we're, you know, we're keeping that, that intimacy at bay. We're keeping those deep connections at bay because we're not being vulnerable. We're not expressing our truth. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, you know, I wrote a few words uh, recently about um, just about freeing your mind. And it talks about, you know, kind of freeing your mind from, from negativity um, because negativity in general becomes negative emotions and, you know, negative emotions become hurtful and cancerous to the body. Um, and it pours out in, in everything that you do. 
And so it's really important to get the help and the therapy or whatever it is that you need um, to be able to become your true self. So it sounds like the therapy really helped and the, uh, the writing really helped. Was there anything else? So what did you notice as you were going through the therapy, as you were writing? What changes did you, did you feel, did you see in yourself? Uh, I, you know, I realized, I think I got really, really close to myself as a human being. I got really close to my humanity. I wasn't someone from the outside looking in at my life. I was a full participant in my life. Um, it got me to be vulnerable and to be very, very comfortable with that vulnerability. Um, to be able to express myself without apology. So through the writing, I really got to know myself. Um, and at times what I would do is, since I was so much of a writer and not much of a speaker, I started recording my own voice um, and listening to it. And you know, Dr. Debbie, I was surprised. Like I didn't recognize my own voice. Really? In so, what way? What do you mean? Um, you know, I was always so quiet that it just didn't sound familiar. Um, and at some point, it was almost like I wasn't really comfortable with it. Um, so that was, the, you know, that was an awakening for me. Um, you know, and I want to stop you there because it's so interesting. I see this. When all the time, when we transform, when we undergo that transformation, which is not a clean, pretty process, it is messy, it is sticky, is it is uncomfortable. But what what we emerge as is this strong, empowered, powerful person that we never would have become had those experiences not happened. And it's not uncommon to to be a bit surprised by the level of strength or courage or authenticity and vulnerability that we're comfortable sharing because of this, this strength that is earned. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like that's exactly what happened and you heard it in your own voice. Oh, yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> when I started writing poetry, you know, I thought it was a flute. I said, oh, you know, I've been in the legal profession for most of my career. You know, I'm very organized, I'm very practical, I'm very straight-laced. Who is this person now writing love poems? Like, you know, who is this person? And I ended up through that experience writing an entire poetry book, Wild Heart, Peaceful Soul, about all of my love, all of the loves that I've had, you know, over about 20 years, about, you know, being abandoned, about being rejected about falling deeply in love with the wrong person, um, about, you know, being, you know, being passionate about pain, everything poured out in this book. And let me tell you, at some point I was almost um, embarrassed to release it um, because the old me would not have released that book mm. because, yeah. We just weren't raised to be that vulnerable. And, and you know, I'll, I'll give you... You don't, want to embarrass yourself. you don't want to embarrass your parents, you know. Right. That was a big thing growing up in Jamaica. Am I saying anything or doing anything that would embarrass my parents in any way? Because 
if that was the case, you just couldn't do it. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, you know, so that was what you were raised with. But I remember when, you know, I, I was speaking everywhere and I would speak in law firms and it was the most interesting thing because usually the talks are very interactive and engaging. And I would speak at a law firm, not a peep. No one would speak. No one would say anything. Stoic, absolutely stoic. You could not read anything on their faces. However, I would get ready to leave and there would be a line out the door. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a heart attack. I can't take the pressure. <laughs> this is so stressful. I, you know, I, I can't take it. And it's so interesting because you, you really had to get over what you were raised with culturally about yeah. not sharing. And then on top of it, you know, being in law where I guess there is that persona of, no, I got it all together. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm totally okay. And here you are releasing such, you know, beautiful and, and uh, loving words. So you really, your highest self said, I don't care what's in your way, you're getting this out. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely getting it out. Um, and it's just, it's been transformational for me and um, to a lot of the women, you know, who read my poetry, because these were the things that we talked about with our best friends very, very close friends, but not each other. So we didn't talk about the hurt, the pain, uh, the disappointment in others, the disappointment in ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people read the book and they quietly said, you know, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now, what were some lessons you learned from the pain? Because I love the idea of, of going through something traumatic and then gaining those nuggets of wisdom as a result, then it's trauma well-served, you know? So what were some of the things that you learned from some of your painful experiences? Um, I, you know, I learned to always, you know, whenever I'm in pain, I used to spend a lot of time almost blaming myself, mm -hmm. saying, you know, you, you know, you were raised well, you're smart, you're strong, you're resilient. Why are you feeling this? <laughs> mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be feeling this pain, right? So, you know, I've, I learned to figure out just to ask myself some things just to center myself. You know, what's happening? Why is it happening? Why am I feeling this way? Um, is it because of something that someone did? Or is this because of some old hurt? that I've been carrying around for a while? Is that something that's resurfacing? Mm -hmm. um, if I'm feeling rejected, you know, is it because this guy is rejecting me or is it because of some rejection that came 10 or 20 years ago in my life? Um, I learned not to internalize too much um, because I used to spend a lot of time just internalizing and that was just destructive you know, to everything, everything that I am, everything that I wanted to be. Um, I, I realized that, you know, they always say, you know, hurt people hurt people. Um, so most of the time when someone hurts you, it's really, really not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about them projecting what's going on with them on you. Um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time just learning not to take things personally. Um, I, I decided to figure out what the lesson is. Mm -hmm. You know, what is this trying to teach me? Because I don't think anything happens for a reason. 
you know, people are placed in our lives for a reason to teach us something. So, you know, what was this meant to teach me? Um, and then I learned to work through it, either through poetry, through therapy, through talking to a close friend, through maybe just exiting the situation, doing something that brings me peace, meditation, yoga, mindfulness, traveling, um, sometimes just removing yourself from a situation is so helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, you know, taking a quick trip back to Jamaica and centering myself for a couple of weeks, or just taking a weekend, just me and my writing and going to the beach and kind of renewing everything. But I don't, um, I don't ignore the pain. I don't ignore the hurt. It has a place. Um, but I just try to, to be responsible um, when it comes, when it comes to it. And then also I kind of learn, you know, to pivot, take everything that I've learned and try to use it for some good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And, and I, I, I love, I love this because, you know, it, when you, when you were talking about, let's say that the version of you before all of this, it was stuffing everything, keeping it down just for fear of, of speaking up and, and all potentially that can go wrong with it. And then the, the healed version of you, the, the more evolved version of you that says, no, 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 I'm going to see what I need to learn here and what, how I need to move through this and what's the lesson that I can learn from all of this. And that's how we, that's how we grow. And you mentioned meditation and yoga and mindfulness and traveling. Was there a specific type of, because everybody who listens and watches the show, they're, they're looking for their own recipe of healing. And, and I know there are as many different types of yoga and types of meditation and mindfulness as there are people. Was there some, what was your recipe? What was, what were the types you tried that really worked for you? Yeah. You know, um, I started, you know, you know, practicing, reading about mindfulness and practicing mindfulness. I, you know, I ended up writing about it in my book, Island Mindfulness. And for me, it's a combination of my island roots and my ancestry and the traditional mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in Jamaica, you know, we have a saying that everything is Irie and we have a saying that says no problem, man. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that we don't have problems, is that we're very optimistic people and we realize that whatever problem you have, it can be handled. Um, and it can be handled in a peaceful way. So it's really taking those lessons learned in Jamaica and combining it with the traditional mindfulness practice of just being aware, being focused, um, not having 10 things on your to-do list, but realizing your purpose and your priorities. Um, every single morning I meditate. And you know, it's just not that complex meditation that you hear about or read about. I sit up in bed, sometimes I sit on the floor and I take five to 10 minutes and just be. Um, Janet, you're awake, you're grateful. Um, it's gonna be a beautiful day. Um, if it's not, whatever comes, you can handle it because you're prepared, you're equipped. I think of three things on my agenda and no more than three things for the day. Um, I try not to get distracted during the day by anything else. If you do more than three things, you set yourself up to win in life. Mm -hmm. If you do more than three things, it's a bonus, you're happy. 
okay? Um, but usually anything more than three is probably a distraction. Um, so I set myself up to win every day, to walk in a space of gratitude every day. Um, you know, I'm not in the office now, but when I go to the office, I try not to be um, distracted. You know, I can spend two hours being distracted by emails, mm -hmm. but basically you're being distracted by things that are on someone else's agenda, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I try not to do that until about midday. Um, I usually spend about two to three minutes every hour, you know, just feeling my breath mm -hmm. and putting myself back into that peaceful place, centering myself. Um, and, you know, I, I do that when I'm, I'm not commuting now, but I used to do that on my commute home too. You know, you know how you, you know, you, you get in the car and you don't even think before you know it, you're on your way home because you've been doing the same routine, you know, for X number of years mm -hmm. and you're not present. You're not present for your journey. So what I do is I just try to be present for every part of my journey. I love that. I love that. And you know, that's, and my, that's I my practice of mindfulness. I try to make everything yeah. you know, simple and clear. Right. But it makes so much sense too. I mean, and I tell people you have this opportunity if you are commuting, I, that is, it's like, you know, all of the, all of the audio books and the wonderful things you could be learning and, you know, just to waste it on nonsense. I just, I just feel like it's a beautiful opportunity. Janet, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Um, the, the last point that I want to make about that and, and, and the mindfulness is don't, don't be afraid to be alone with yourself and your thoughts. Maybe that's part of the introversion that's talking, but it's such a beautiful thing just to be alone with yourself, to be in your own mind, you know, to have clarity, to appreciate yourself from head to toe. So, you know, you're not affected by someone else's opinion. Uh, that's, that's been a fantastic lesson for me. Yeah, and I think that happens when we like ourselves. Because, we like ourselves, Right, yes. because when we don't, we, we so desperately want to escape um, the, the thoughts that come into our head. But when we're, when we're feeling, you know, there's more, a little bit more self-love, you know, then we're like, okay, you know what I, what do I have to say? It's all good. It's all good. Jenna, where can we go to learn more about you and the wonderful work you're doing? Um, my website is www.JanetAuthorine.com. Um, I created a program called the Island Mindful Path to Transformation. And I use that to help women who are stuck or overwhelmed um, mostly, you know, high achievers, as most of us women are, to help them create a peaceful and uh, an abundant life. Um, and, and, you know, I have a really, really fun group on Facebook. It's called Self Care Sisters. <laughs> and we just love and support each other. Oh, um, so I definitely invite any, anyone who wants to join that group to come and be a part of us. Oh, Last thing that I'd like to say is that I, I spend a lot of time mentoring young women. Um, it's just a big part of my personal journey and my way of giving back. Um, and so if anyone would like to be a part of that mentorship program, it's also available on my website. 
Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, you know what? I feel more relaxed already. I'm just picturing, I, I'm looking at you and you have to see, so those of you who are listening, I'm looking at Janet and she is just this beautiful representation of island breeze. I just see the palm trees and the, and the beach in the background. <laughs> I feel better already. Well, Janet, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your wisdom and your insight. And I know you helped so many people with what you shared and, um, and the gifts you know, that you've given us by what you've experienced. So thank you so much. I know that you are doing monumental work to help others. So thank you for what you do. And I look forward to following your journey. Um, continue to be awesome. Thank you so much. I love how Janet became a full participant in her life. It's when we take responsibility for how we're showing up, we take our power back and create the versions of ourselves we're ready to become. Stay in touch with Janet by going to growintogreatness.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Find your own unique recipe to keep moving forward. For Janet, that meant stop blaming Ask questions to learn, like, what is this trying to teach me? Don't internalize. Learn the lesson. Work through it. Try things like meditation, yoga, mindfulness, and traveling, too. Whatever you do, don't stay stuck. That's a choice and not a good one. If you want a great life, of course, see where you're starting by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with. Daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics. Curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.